Welcome to That's Deep Bro. Serious questions with silly people. I'm your host, Christina Pajitsky. And man, got some thoughts for you this week. I had I had revelations as I was swimming in my gym pool. I am now seven months pregnant. I am enormous. And swimming is the one thing that kind of relaxes me and also makes me feel weightless for a little bit, which is pretty good. <laughs> But I, I had an epiphany. I had an epiphany, bros, this week. You know, uh, this is a time in my life where I'm slowing things down just a bit. I can't fly anymore, uh, so I don't. I can't do road gigs. I mean, you know, I do the comedy store every week, but uh, I can't travel. And so this is the first time in my life I'm not. I haven't had a schedule that is completely jam packed with just craziness, and it's given me a moment to reflect. And I really like that. And um, I started thinking to myself, what, you know, Christina, what is it you really, 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 really want? What do you really want to do with your with your time, with your career, with your life? You know, man, I'm 39. I'll be 40 in June. And that's kind of a marker, right? I don't have much time left. <laughs> maybe, maybe another 40 years, maybe. But they're not all great years, you know, I think. Doesn't it kind of go downhill around 65, 70? Jesus Christ, I don't have that much time left. So what am I going to do with it? How am I going to make it meaningful? And then I started thinking, well, who am I really? I mean, aren't, I, aren't we all just kind of amalgams of different influences? I mean, aren't I part my crazy mom, my crazy dad, a friend I knew in high school, a girl I hung out with in college, a boyfriend, a... A thing I read, you know, we're all kind of made up of different stuff. So really, what what do I want? Isn't that kind of linked to this false sense of identity that I might have about myself? I know, it's deep, and it happened at the gym pool. <laughs> so we'll get into that um, in this episode. I'm super, I'm super excited uh, to talk about that. But first, business, here it goes. Shop on Amazon using my banner. I implore you, go to thatsdeepropodcast.com, click on my banner. You find those at the bottom of every post of every episode. And, like, you do your shopping as you normally would. And it's uh, it's so much easier. And get that Amazon Prime, bros. That's the ultimate. You know, I'm ordering all this baby crap, and it just gets delivered to my front door. That's right. I don't have to go to Bye Bye Baby and talk to some illiterate freak they sold me a crib with no mattress in the goddamn crib why Why would I want to buy a crib with no mattress in it y you know what I'm saying but that's where Amazon comes in and I ordered it and it's going to show up tomorrow it's going to be fantastic also September 26th at the Pasadena Ice House uh, we're doing your mom's house live my husband and I um, if you listen to that show come see us if you're in the LA area we're doing it in the main room because it's just that big, our show now. It's getting cray-cray. 
We used to do it in a side room with only like 60 some seats, but we sell out too fast now. So very exciting. Um, I hope you can make it. I hope I see some regular faces there that I normally do. Oh, there'd be so much brown talk and so much ridiculousness. Uh, so yeah. All right, bros. Uh, why did I turn that down? Let's get into it. Let's get into it. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna play a little Olivia Newton John from uh, from last week. I just I, this song just gets me every time. It's it's so uh, it's so inspirational. It's so uh, promising. All right, let's let's get into it with a little Olivia Newton John. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> man you make all your dreams come alive destiny will arise where's there's no music like this today telling you to believe in magic is there i don't know i don't listen to current music i'm stuck in the 90s listen to her you're home free She's the goddess of the, uh, the late 70s and the 80s, man. I mean, if you don't know who Olivia Newton-John is, you better get your life and get to Google. I know we have some people who are younger who in their 20s listening to the show. You got to Google this broad. Uh, she's so, she was so pretty. And the crazy part about Olivia Newton-John is like, she was so tiny. She was so skinny. Uh I mean, if you look skinny on camera, by the way, it means that in real life you weigh 10 pounds because the camera, everybody, almost every normal human being looks morbidly obese on camera. You just look fat. That's why when you meet actors and actresses, they're so teeny, teeny, tiny because they're aware of that stupid thing. I don't know why they can't invent um, a camera that doesn't make you look a thousand pounds heavier than you are. But anyway, she looked teeny, tiny, man. If you watch that movie Grease, at the end of it, where she's uh, dancing with John Travolta, her her little tiny hips. I mean, Jesus Christ, she looks like a fifth grader. It's so I'm so jealous, so jealous. I can't wait to drop this kid 
and, and lose weight and just be a person again. You know, I, I'm going to get a trainer, but I'm not going to, I don't want to get fit. That's the thing. I just, I just want to be skinny. <laughs> how do you do, how do you just, I mean, I, you know, I know how to do it. You just stop eating, but I, I can't do that either. Is there a trainer that can just make me look like Olivia Newton-John? How about that? But that movie, Grease, man, I grew up watching Grease. I think every little kid did uh, if you were born in around the late 70s like I was because it's like the only thing they played on television for, for years and years. I mean, I remember that shit was on Channel 5 in L.A. nonstop, nonstop, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Grease, Grease, Grease. And it's it's probably, when you think about it, uh, like the worst message uh, to give to little girls, it's it's probably <laughs> one of the worst things you can you can teach a child. Which is, well, here let's 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 break it down for you. So, Greece is a story about Sandra D. She's a very innocent girl from uh, Sandy. She's from Australia, and she she moves. I'm guessing it's in L.A. somewhere. It takes place. It, it was filmed in the 70s, but the story takes place in the 1950s. And she meets this nice boy, Danny, one summer before she starts high school at this local high school she's going to go to, the Gre- the high school of Greece. And she and Danny have a nice summer romance, right? Just summer loving. He fingered my ass. I don't know what the... Such a stupid song. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I never liked that stupid summer loving song. But anyway... They hook up all summer. He's like a normal sweet guy. He's whispering sweet nothings into her ear and being a gentleman. And then they come back to school. And lo and behold, he is kind of a douchebag to her. Like, he's got these cool friends called the T-Birds. <laughs> Super lame. But, you know, they look cool. They're called greasers, and they wear, like, cool jackets and stuff. And, um... But he sees her at high school and he's all, yeah, what's up, baby? Like, he's too cool for school, you know? And uh, and she's hurt, naturally, because she's like, where's the da- where's the Danny that I loved? That's my Australian accent. Danny, I can't believe it. You're not, you're not the boy I knew. And so she makes friends with these group of whores called the Pink Ladies. They're, well, no, technically one of them's a whore, Rizzo. She's like, first of all, they cast, what's her name, Tainer Channing? Channing, T- you know her name. You know what I'm talking about. That actress. She was literally 30-something when they cast her to play the part of a maybe an 18 or 17-year-old girl. And it's obvious. It's fucking obvious that she's in her 30s. I don't, I don't know why casting always does that. Same thing with Beverly Hills 902. Remember Andrea? She was like 40, and they made her a high schooler. And you're like, bro, you're not fooling anybody. You're not fooling me. Not that there's anything wrong uh, with being an older person, just don't don't cast them. God damn it! Here, let me look up her her name because I know people are going to start emailing me. Our fucking Rizzo, that's her name. Stalker Channing, who great? She's great. She, Stalker Channing's an amazing actress. She's I, I'm a huge fan of hers. Ooh, Jeff Conaway was in that movie too. He's dead now, bro. I used to watch him on Celebrity Rehab. He was in bad shape. Oh, how depressing. Okay, but anyway. So uh, Sandra D makes friends with these pink ladies. A couple of them are whores. Marty is banging sailors. Uh, Rizzo is screwing uh, Kaniki, you know, and everybody's screwing everybody. And essentially what she learns to do, 
because she she and Danny she ends up dating like this great jock, right? So Livy Newton John's character is like, well, screw him. You know, he's kind of a mook anyways. Why don't I hook up with this awesome athlete? And she does, and he's super cute, but her heart still yearns for the jerk, right? That's the typical teenage drama. Her heart yearns for Danny, who's a creep. And so what do they do? Her pink lady friends, uh, instead of the important message of, you know, be true to yourself, they say, no, 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 we got to transform you into what Danny likes. We got to turn you into a full-fledged whore. And that way, Danny's going to be into you. And, and sure, she, she shows up for the end of the year school fair, which is who, I don't know who has a school fair like they did, where they had like <laughs> full... Uh, they had full, like, rides and crap at their school fair. I'm like, geez, very wealth, wealthy people. Um, and she shows up looking like a slut, and they sing the song, You're the One That I Want, and, you know, he gets a boner for her, and it's all great. So the point is, don't be yourself, because you're not good enough. you got to change who you are to be accepted by a dude. Thank you. I think that's, like, also the point of every Disney movie up until a few years ago, right? Or wait, wait to be rescued by a guy. But definitely change who you are and change, you know, everything about how you dress and your morals and stuff, because that's what guys like. The end. Okay. And it's a, it's such a good movie. Mm. And I've still I still watch it. I think I watched it on Netflix about mm, two months ago. I still watch it. And I, I know it's stupid. There's so many movies that are stupid like that. So yeah, okay, today's topic. Uh who are we? Who the fuck are you and, and what do you really want? Like I said earlier. I've taken to swimming. I swim at my local gym here, and I, I've always loved the water since I was a little kid. Uh, there's something just so cool about being weightless, and it's so hot as balls right now in L.A. It's like the only place that I can go and, and, and cool off. And, and there's locals. There's, like, people that go there just to hang out in the pool. There's <laughs> there are these two fat guys who never swim the laps they're supposed to. Like It's like an Olympic-sized pool, and there's lanes just for swimming, but I always see these regulars because I'm there in the middle of the day usually, which is when the other fat people go. And uh, I see them talking about like where they had tacos the night before and and whether or not Jimmy's going to bring his kid to the game and all this. Like they don't they don't exercise. But here's the best part about the gym, by the way. If you're thinking of going, but you're worried because you're too fat and your body's disgusting. Just keep in mind. Right now, my body feels thoroughly disgusting. I'm fatter than I've ever been. I've gained too much weight in this pregnancy already. My doctor's already chastised me. But look, my mom died in July. Did I eat a few more Western bacon cheeseburgers than I should have? Yeah. Yeah, I fucking did. Okay? It's called depression. I had a little bit of it. I had some onion rings. Uh, I had some extra barbecue sauce on my Carl's Jr. But it was a bad decision. I'm paying the price. So, uh, anyways, I go to this pool... I swim, I see the regulars, I look, I listen to them, I laugh, I love it. And, um, you know, it's very meditative, swimming. And I'm doing my fat lady strokes, and I'm swimming, and I'm swimming. And I was like, this is great. This is so fucking great. I'm swimming in the middle of the day. It's like a Tuesday. And here I am. I'm so I'm so blessed. I'm so lucky that I, I'm in a position where I can... I can be in my third trimester or whatever, and I, I can spend the day swimming. How many women are fortunate enough to be able to kind of chill and, and have that? And, and I'm going to use this time as a, as a meditative time in my life. You know, a lot of shit's happened in the last month or two, and I'm going to take the moment to reflect. 
because uh, if you don't, that's how you get into trouble, right? Because then you keep making bad decisions. If you're not taking the time to reflect, when a tragedy happens, you got you to take time. Um, otherwise, you just you stay in reactionary mode and you keep making bad decisions. I keep eating cheeseburgers. Is what I would do. So I had to put the, the, the kibosh on cheeseburger eating and I had to go, what's happening, Christina? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I was swimming and I thought, well, this is the first time in my life I haven't been completely overscheduled. I haven't been traveling like a lunatic and, and um, you know, so narrowly focused on the career, career, career. And for the first time, I'm I'm pulled into the direction of necessity of having to slow down by, by virtue of growing a person. I, I kind of, you have to, man. I, you know, uh, your body tells you to slow it down because you, you just can't move the way you did. You can't, um, you can't live as you did. Uh, and not for good reason. Nature's telling me I've got to prepare to change my life because big change is coming. And as I was in the water, I thought, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do for the next, I don't know, two and a half, three months until this kid comes? What do I really, really, really want? What is it? What do you really, really, really want? And I'm not saying like, you know, um, well, I want uh, to go to the movies tomorrow and see the new Mission Impossible movie. I'm not saying... Yeah, well, I want to go home and eat a sandwich and watch Grease again. I'm saying what, at the core of my being, what is it that I really want to do with my time? And I'm not sure I've asked myself that question. Honestly, I don't, I mean, I've always asked myself what I wanted to do with my career and stuff and that was important to me. But like, bigger picture, bros, what is it that you really, really, really want? out of life. And and here's the important distinction to be made here. It's not what you think you should want to do. Because I see a lot of that. I, I mean, we've all been there. We've all grown up with people who do everything the right way. They, 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 they do stuff the way they're supposed to. And um, are they any happier? You know what I'm saying? Like they they graduate from college, they get married right away, they have the kids, they have the house, they have the jobs, they have the advanced degrees. And before they know it, they're in their late 30s, they're middle management, they're in a cubicle. Are they happier than me? I don't fucking know. I don't have the answer to that question. But it seems a bit mindless. It seems a bit mindless. Um, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to live out the rest of my years kind of being mindless and just going through the motions. I mean, I I like the life that I've built. I'm really lucky and and I feel like I've I've done good things, but you know, uh it changes. Pe- people changes. <laughs> you should change. Um I think I think I've changed a lot in the last few months. A lot of like I said a lot of stuff has happened and it's affected me. And I don't think you. I don't think when stuff happens to you, you can go back and be the person you were before stuff happens. I think that's a good thing. I think you need to go and and have a metamorphosis, and uh, and be a different person. Because if you're not, then then you're not paying attention. How how can the death of my mother not uh, change me profoundly? How can that not? How can it not affect me? So, number one. Oh, here I want to play you something before I get into. The second part of this, uh, this is a great thing. <laughs> I'm going to play this for you. My cousin, Julie, who I love, we hung out last week. 
she's uh she's we reference this video a lot between the two of us because it's a it's a video hold on let me write this down because i will forget my motherfucking thought what do you want okay and who are you that's how i'll go next sorry if i don't write my thoughts down they disappear uh so my cousin julie sent me this video like i don't know seven or eight years ago and it kind of is exactly this dynamic of what i'm mother of cunts you know you, you, you control copy something, right? And then you're like, control V. And then it fucking puts the thing in there that you did before. Okay, hold on, guys. Please, please. Okay, so this is a great thing called, um, it's a little animation presentation called I Guess You'll Do. And it kind of exemplifies exactly the dynamic I'm talking about where you just go through the motions of life, you do what you're supposed to do, not really making any waves, not really disappointing anybody, um, and being a good boy or girl. So here it goes. It's called, let's hope there's no music on. Okay. This is called, I guess you'll do. Hey you, some guy. It's me, some girl. I guess we might as well have a life together. We're on a schedule here. I'm in my mid to late 20s. You're two years older than me. We're at about the same level of attractiveness. We have comparable educations. I need to mate, and you'll probably do as well as anyone else. Let's begin this typical courtship process, shall we? You want sex? Fine. Roll around on me for a while. <laughs> Whatever gets this moving. I guess we should go to some movies, and maybe a concert or two. That was nice. Now let's get in a fight and then make up. Good. Now let's go camping. While camping, let's take some pictures of us camping that we can hang up in our cubicles to remind us of the time we went camping. That will be a cherished memory. Okay, I guess it's time to move into an apartment together. Let's live in this apartment for a year. Let's go to a Memorial Day barbecue at my parents' house. Good, time to get married. When you propose, don't try to do anything cute like putting the ring in my wine glass or having a sports mascot bring it to me at a ball game. It's all been done before, and you are not a very creative person. Just get down on a knee and get it over with. New Year's Eve works fine for me. Our wedding will take place a year and a half from your proposal. It doesn't really take that long to set up a wedding. I just want to relish the fact that I am getting married for as long as I possibly can. During that time, I will be the center of attention. Sadly, this will be the highlight of my life. I have no aspirations to write a great book that will change the way people think. I don't want to travel the world and witness the majesty and diversity of foreign lands. I don't want to dedicate my life to intellectual or philosophical pursuits in an attempt to take my mind places that no one else has ever gone. I just want to look skinnier in my dress than my bridesmaids. Okay, that's done. After the wedding, I will take a year to reflect upon the wedding. Soon, everyone will tire of my wedding talk and I will no longer be the center of attention. It is time for us to buy a house so that I have something else to talk about. It will be a three-bedroom ranch home with a semi-finished basement. You will turn the basement into a rec room with a bar. This will be pointless as you will rarely see your friends anymore, and when you do, they will have neither the desire nor the time to go down and drink in our basement because they'll have mated too. Your masculine rec room will soon be cluttered with children's toys and my infrequently used exercise equipment. When people stop talking to me about our house, I will decide that we should have children. I will take the fun out of sex by incorporating science and scheduling our intimacy around my ovulation cycle. 
We will conceive. When I am pregnant, I will have something to talk to people about again, and everyone will pay attention to me. I will act as if I am the first pregnant person ever. Eventually, I will give birth, just as billions have done before me. Our children will be adequate, but not spectacular. You will want them to be athletes, but they will lack the size and skill. I will want them to be creative, but they will lack the talent and drive. We will move into a larger house to accommodate our growing family. You will build a deck off the back of the house that we will use twice a summer. We will briefly contemplate an above-ground pool, but in the end, we'll decide against it, citing cost and practicality. There will be several dogs. We will vacation. Myrtle Beach will be our destination of choice, though we will be no strangers to Orlando. Our children will leave and we will move into a condo, citing cost and practicality. We will retire. Now the waiting truly begins. Our children will provide us with unremarkable grandchildren. We will photograph them and discuss them at length. You will die of heart complications. Your funeral will be relatively well attended and will last for just over one hour. Following it, some of us will go back to the condo where there will be a tray of cold cuts for sandwiches. I will remain for eight more years, watching television and slipping away into dementia. <laughs> I will die. Doctors will call it natural causes, but in reality, I will have semi-consciously willed myself to stop breathing out of boredom and defeat. It will be done. You can pick me up at eight. <laughs> there it is. I guess you'll do. Uh, I'll put it on my website so you guys can watch it. They just did like a little stick figure animation to go with it. But uh, pretty, pretty funny, right? This is pretty amazing. It's it's um it looks like the prototype for what you're supposed to do, right? Doesn't it? Those are those are all the beats you're supposed to hit. <laughs> I don't know. I know people that have that life. Is it so is it so horrible? Maybe, maybe not. I think I checked off a few of those boxes too. <laughs> I got too many dogs. I am pregnant. Let's see what else. I think the camping pics part is my favorite. I mean, I, I swear, it's it, it that is my biggest problem with Facebook and Instagram is the constant proving of how much fun we're having all the time and how perfect our lives are. <laughs> that's, my, that's my absolute favorite. Now, my favorite is really um, like girls who obviously don't eat that often taking pictures of the enormous plates of food they're about to eat. <laughs> Oh, I'm ju I'm just eating this huge plate of cheeseburger and fried. I I love to eat. I love it. So there you go. Adequate kids. That's so funny. Yeah, I you know, I was just telling my husband, I don't give a shit if our kids a genius. I hope you know, you just healthy, not a sociopath, not a junkie. Uh just adequate, not even a genius because let's face it, not not a lot of us are going to be geniuses. N nobody. Very very few. Very few. Uh, and most of them come from horrific backgrounds and lives. It's, it's not good people. Right? That's a gross generalization. But anyway. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So 
What do you really, 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 really want? And how would you even begin to know that, especially when who you are, the core of the person you're going to be asking that very question to, is kind of made up of a lot of different parts. Um, You're not raised in a vacuum. You're just an amalgam of all the crap that you've seen and done and your experiences and your um, thoughts about yourself. I, I think personality from what I can understand um, of therapy and psychology and stuff, it's, it's kind of, you are kind of who you think you are. You are the story that you have told yourself about yourself, which is really scary and complicated and dangerous. Yeah. You know, it depends on what, what tape you're playing in your head, man. That's dictating what you're doing. Whoo. That's deep as fuck. Right. It's all the tape in your head that tells you who you are and what you're capable of and what you can do. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, how do I know? How do I know what I want when that's rooted in who I think I am? I think I know who I am. But who I am is not some absolute fixed thing. It's like an amorphous thing that changes with experience, with life, with hurt, with with joy, with everything. It changes and it's also not just mine. I'm made up of many, many influences. But does that necessarily matter? I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> the Greeks love this stuff. Um, Socrates, one of the, the very big, best, biggest, brightest stars in philosophy. He was also in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I don't know if you caught him in that movie. Uh, Socrates, great actor. Uh, he came up with what's actually Plato, right? Wasn't Plato his student writing down all the stuff that Socrates says? His student, yeah, right. <laughs> student of sucking dicks. The Greeks were really um, all about that life, so you know who knows. Anyways, a big saying from Socrates through Plato: "Know thyself." It's an ancient Greek and Latin aphorism or saying concerning self knowledge and self improvement. Know thyself, know thyself. I mean, how many times have you heard that in your philosophy 101 courses, right? Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to read you something I, I read about what explains it. So in the classical Greek and Latin minimalistic style of writing, it only comprises two words but has two parts to its meaning like a double-edged sword. Thus, it is a reflection that all knowledge, especially self-knowledge, can be used in two ways, either for good or evil. Also, both Latin and Greek philosophers were very fond of these types of double meanings or play on words. So for the first or literal part of know thyself means giving yourself the opportunity to test yourself. Oh, I like that. And learn your personal strengths and what you are good at in life, but also learning and acknowledging what your weaknesses and shortcomings are. But isn't that like the, that's like the hardest part, I think. I mean, it's kind of easy to know what you're good at, um, and maybe not for some people I know that's a huge struggle. Like, what am I good at? I'll tell you what you're good at. The stuff that comes pretty intuitively to you and where you see quick, quick ish rewards from, I'm not talking about getting to the top of the mountain quick, but just like there's things you can do a little bit easier than the person next to you can't. And you'll notice that people tend to tell you you're good at shit too. You're like, Oh, that's cool. I'm good at that. Uh, but it's also hard to acknowledge your weaknesses Oh, that's the worst. And your shortcomings. That's tough. Because who wants to who wants to be like, yeah, I know I'm shitty at this. 
But can I tell you, I, I honestly think the quicker you are acknowledging what you suck at, just give it up. Like, don't try to improve. <laughs> I don't I don't think you should. Like, I think you should acknowledge what you're shitty at and then be like, great, that's what I'm not good at and I'm not going to do that anymore because it's wasting my time. Or you do, you do it as a hobby, for instance. Like, I, I love drawing. I draw things, but I'm, I'm crappy at it. You know, my friend Shauna, Shauna Finn, she's an artist. Buy her stuff. Shauna Finn, New York artist. Um... You know, she was always so much better at me in, in high school, drawing, and and I just, I was I like, oh, I, I can't draw, because Sean, I can draw. She's so much better. She's so much better. It's true. So I don't fucking waste my time with that, unless, you know, I do it as, uh, for fun, which is great, too. You should do things for fun. But know that it's not going to be your career, right? Okay, there you go. The second or practical part of know thyself means that with the self-knowledge, you can apply it so that you live your life based on what your strengths are. What did I just say? Oh, and at the same time, improving yourself and overcoming your weaknesses and thus making you a better, more fulfilled person throughout life. Improving yourself and overcoming your weaknesses. I would say ignore those weaknesses. You know what I mean? They don't exist if I don't acknowledge them. Uh, no, but I, you should overcome. I don't say, I, what I'm saying is don't don't try to be a great uh, painter if you're not. Just enjoy the hobby of it. But definitely over overcome weakness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to. Otherwise, the weakness uh, drives the ship, right? <sighs> Who are you? Have you ever heard of the 7-Up series? Um, not 7-Up the drink, but 7-Up uh, the documentary series. I, th- I know I've mentioned it before on the show. Uh, I think most of it is up on uh, Netflix here. It's such a freaking cool, the Up series. So here we go. This is from the UK, a documentary film produced by Granada Television. They followed 14 British kids since they were little little children, seven years old in 1964. Um, and so far they've gotten up to 49 years. So basically every seven years from the time these kids were seven, they went back and followed up with these kids to see if to see how they had progressed and to see if they were the same people they were at seven because it was based on the Erasmus principle of give me a child by the, uh, until the age of seven and I'll show you the man or the person, let's say now. Uh, the director was Michael Apted. I think he passed away. Now it's been passed on to somebody else. But the premise is kind of cray-cray because um, they picked a cross-section of children in, this is in Britain, um, and... Uh, they chose wealthy kids and they chose not so wealthy kids. They chose children who had far less financial resources, resources, parental resources, people who were raising them, caring for them. Um, one guy comes from an orphanage. It just breaks your heart. One guy, you know, is just some blue collar dude who ends up driving a cab. <laughs> and you're like, you knew he was going to do that. You know, he, because he wants to be a jockey. He wants to race horses and he cuz he's he's small, he's built for it and he loves he loves horses. Anyway, he raises once, loses a race and he's like, "Ah, forget it. <laughs> I'm just going to give up." Uh instead of persevering a bit more to see if he could do it. Anyway, he, he ends up becoming a cabbie, you know, gets married, has the kids, uh gets a divorce from che- not a divorce, but he cheats on the wife. Uh, you know, typical, typical shit. But yeah, more or less, everybody that was set up to have the destiny they were assumed to went on to do that. Meaning 
the kids who knew they were going to Oxford by the age of seven, they interviewed these little fuckers who were seven years old asking them what they were going to study at Oxford, which college they wanted to get to in Cambridge or Oxford. And they knew. They knew they were going to, you know, Chapel Hall. I'll be matriculating at um, a King's College in Oxford. I'll be reading maths. They knew this stuff about themselves because their parents had drilled it into them uh, that they were going to college and be successful people. And you know what? They did. They grew up to be attorneys, barristers, uh, doing charity work in Bulgaria because they were uh, destined to be so, which is, uh, there's only, I think, one person or two who kind of transcended their... uh, their socioeconomic status. I believe one of them, I think his name was Nick. I want to say, Oh God, I hate when I mess up people's names. Um, let's see. No, Nicholas. Yes. He was cute. He was raised on a farm and he's just supposed to be like a farmer, but he was a brilliant, um, physicist, physicist, and he ends up teaching, um, physics in America and marrying a horrible woman, just a real see you next Tuesday of a grump. Um, but it's 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 interesting because he he basically transcends where he came from. But very rare, very rare, very rare. I wanted to read you guys this email I got too. It was so interesting. Um, <clears throat> I think it kind of correlates with this topic um, in a way of like, well, how do you figure out what you really really want if your foundation, if who you are, is rooted in a lot of wackiness? And I know a lot of you have emailed me. Describing your wacky backgrounds, I think a lot of us, you know, the more I do the show, the more I realize I'm really not so alone with my wacky uh, background. And I'm so thankful for it because, like, it's so alienating uh, to think that you're the only person that grew up with wackiness. Because most people don't talk about it, right? Which really annoys me. Like, why can't you just tell people, like, hey, here's my bag. Here's my bag of bullshit. Here, I'm Christina. Here's my bag. Great. Let's move on. Um, Because I like to know this stuff. You know, I like to not feel alone. So there's this great email. It goes, uh, I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. And while not every single person in that herd takes it to extremes, for the most part, people are fanatical and are completely brainwashed into taking it literally to the very jot jot and tittle. I've never heard that before, jot and tittle. LOL, he says. Um, I don't know many Jehovah's Witnesses, so I I can't attest to that. But uh, yeah, they're very secretive, yeah? I I, I don't... uh, I don't, uh, I don't know any, I don't, that I, oh wait, no, I know one, I think, well, I can't say who, anyway, uh, sadly, it took me well into adulthood to see it for what it is, and for the last few years, have managed to pull away, I simply stopped attending, and never went back, oh, good for you, if it stopped for you, and this group, which I feel is entirely cultish, if not a direct cult, when someone gets kicked out or stops going or simply disagrees, you get shunned. Oof. Which means your family and friends will cut you off. Since I was not officially kicked out, my family will still talk to me, but they are constantly trying to preach and get me to come back to Jehovah. In general, my whole extended family has hardly anything to do with me. Oof. And I've lost all but just a couple of my close friends, for the most part owing to the religion uh, in one way or another. Wow. Oh, and he asks, okay, said I didn't want to make this a novel first email. Maybe, uh, can you maybe do a show on religious fanaticism? 
I would love to. Dealing with the psychological impact of leaving cultish religion, the underlying subconscious torture that you cannot escape because it's programmed into your brain from the day you were born. People will say, ah, get over it, fuck them, screw your family, move on. And that is true, but when you dearly love them and want to keep them in your life to some degree, that's easy to say, not so much to do. Boy, isn't that the truth? Um, You know, I would love to do a topic on that. I don't have many friends that were in cults. Uh, Hey, maybe you want to talk about it with me. Maybe we can do a Skype thing. Um, Were you in a cult? Anybody listening? Um, Email me. That's deep bro podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, that's deep bro podcast at gmail.com. Email me if you've been in a cult. Let's talk about it. How was it getting out? Um, I can only imagine the mind fuck of being in a cult. I mean, look, I've seen documentaries. I've seen the Source family on Netflix. You should watch that. It's pretty great. Um, I got into cults and in, in like uh, I didn't get into real cults, but into documentaries about them a while back because I think it's fascinating because I think humans inherently want to belong. I think it's a very natural impulse to want to belong to something bigger than yourself and especially in a family-like setting. Excuse me, and I I get it, man. But what you say here is pretty um, interesting. Can any of us escape the underlying subconscious torture the programming into your brain from the day you were born. Can any of us, and I, I'm not like, you know, obviously what you went through, I don't mean to diminish that in the least. I can, I, I, I've never experienced this type of thing. I can't, I cannot f- even fathom what it's like to have your whole family think one way and you be the one person who's like, whoa, wait, wait, what? What's the special underwear thing? Isn't that the Jehovah's Witnesses? <laughs> they have special underwear. Uh, wait, wait, we can't celebrate holidays? Wait, wait, we don't give presents because... I imagine it was a slow awakening process. What was that process? How does one get to leave a cult? That's pretty interesting. Um, Again, email me if you've been in a cult. Let's talk about it. But, uh, but are we not all kind of at the mercy of our subconscious influences early in life? You know, they say the first four years of your life sets you up for everything. You know, meaning if mommy and daddy fucked you up in the first four, good luck. Because you got to go to therapy, like some of us, and uh, undo a lot of that wiring that got screwed up. God. So he goes on. This is a great email. A close friend who also grew up in this religion turned me on to weed just a couple of years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Good. He says, I used to be closed-minded about it, but decided to try it. Good God, it changed me, helped me see reality, and was the best thing he could have done. The first few weeks, I got lost in music because it sounds so sublime with good top-shelf grass. No shit, bro. Okay, random YouTube music searches landed me on Magic. That's the song we open with today. One day, and I got goosebumps. For weeks, I couldn't get enough of that video. To this day, it reminds me of a great turning point in my life. Oh, well, very cool. I'm glad that Olivia Newton-John could help you. She helped me. She make, she brings me to tears, man. In my car, I just cry to that fucking song. Uh, I think there's something to that. If you want to find out who you really, really, really are and what you really, really, really want and try to surpass all the programming of uh, your subconscious, because there's a lot, believe me, the, the subconscious mind is a motherfucker. You, you think that you're going to escape it? Good luck. 
it's so crazy because like um it just sneaks up on you. I believe in the last episode on grief with Kevin Christie, I mentioned uh, being on vacation with my husband and listening to a mother and daughter have a conversation. And I immediately, for some reason, had this compulsion to start eating and drinking and torturing myself and wanting to spiral. And with my shrink days later, I go, well, oh, shit. Unconsciously, I was upset. Because I had to hear these this mother and daughter have a normal conversation. It's something I never had with my mom. Blah, 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 there goes my bag of bullshit. And it activated that. Now had I had had I had acted on the had I had had I acted on those impulses to destroy myself, which is what I did before I was pregnant, I would just oh yeah, just have a drink. Eat a cheeseburger, man. <laughs> I had to stop doing that. Um, you know, where are we if we act on these unconscious, unconscious impulses? Um, that are the result of things you're you're not in control of, you know. And it's not. I'm not saying you need to be a tra- traumatized kid or have a really wackadoo childhood to to be under these influences. I'm saying it could be something as small as a teacher uh, shaming you one day in class, or somebody making an offhanded comment um, about something you do that you really like, and now you stop doing that. Have you ever had that happen to you? Um, maybe you you. Um, I don't use that. I just I talked about drawing earlier. Let's say you love to dance. Let's say you're a little kid. You love to dance, and somebody goes, "Ugh, what are you doing? What? What? You can't dance like that. It's so stupid. Look at you. You look ridiculous." And now you shut that down. You you take their belief as valid. It's an unconscious thing, and now you stop dancing. And I swear to God, it happens. And if it if you don't think it does, you better get your life and and take a look at yourself because trust me, it's there. And I believe in drugs. I believe in moderate use. And I don't say all drugs. I don't believe in all. Um, moderate use of marijuana. Absolutely, bros. If you want to get to the heart of darkness, I, I mean, for me, there was a, there was a few years where uh, um, I was full of anxiety. And, and I, I the only thing that would kind of help was to just take a little bit and help clear the decks, right? I find that it get it, for me it gets me straight into what I'm really thinking about, what I'm really fearing, what I'm really what I'm really in. And um I'm glad that this guy found a way to have kind of a mystical experience and listen to Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Something so stupid. It was ice cream last week with Kevin Christie and this week it's Olivia Newton-John. Like how the smallest dumbest shit uh, you know, that's how it goes, though. You're working on something in your mind and you hear like a song or you hear a friend say some silly phrase or you, you're watching a movie and somebody says something and, and it clicks in your brain. And you're like, oh, that's the answer to blah, blah, blah. That's what I needed to hear right now. It's like, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's your unconscious mind kind of picking up bits and pieces and, and working, working on stuff for yourself, right? so there the cult thing oh poor you poor boo-boo i feel like road rules is a cult i feel like um when i was on that show (laughs) there's a lot of people really want to belong to one thing or another right really go out of their way to keep it keep things as they are which you can't do which you can't do so how do we find out what we really really want well i'm on the journey my myself right now 
And because um, I think a lot of how I've lived my life, if I'm going to be honest with myself, um, was in reaction to my mother. I think a lot of the decisions I made in my life were reactive. Um, for instance, my mother was very materialistic. And, you know, I swore, I'll be damned if I'm a materialist. I'm going to, you know, and I, I was crazy. I lived up on a, I lived in this crazy, uh, you know, hippie house on top of a hill at one point in my life with uh, no television for a year, with no screens on my windows in a weird, like, woodsy house. And I lived on the top of a mountain, basically. And that was all to reject what my mother valued. Um, so that's not really living. That's still living in reaction to something else. Um, so it's really hard to kind of go, well, what what is it from me? What stems from me? And how can I go forward in a in a constructive fashion? <laughs> You know, it can't just be all fuck you, mom and dad, uh, reactionary life, because that's that's not good. Or fuck the teacher or whoever, or fuck the cult that uh, sucked me in when I was a kid. I'm gonna, I'm gonna now I'm gonna have promiscuous sex and I'm gonna, you know, do all this crazy stuff. So what do you do? How do you know? How do you know? Um, well, I believe in. Uh, I think the Easterners have it right more than the West. I think um, I think the drug taking is great because it's it's similar to what they do in the East of letting go of your ego, of letting go of the bullshit. Oh, I wanted to read this to you. You're gonna you're gonna hate me. You're gonna be infuriated with me about what I'm about to read you. But I don't care, okay? Because I think it's true. <laughs> This is the best. And I know some of you are going to roll your eyes at me, and I don't give a shit. It's Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil is the best. Um, he's not, He's not. listen, all these TV gurus, these Dr. Laura's, these Dr. Phil's, um, <laughs> the Oprah's, I love it because there's some kernel of truth. It's not, it's not all quackery, guys. So the great philosopher Phil McGraw today on that Steve Roll, we did Socrates, now we do Phil McGraw. I'm going to read you a dialogue about finding out what what we really really want. What do you want exercise? Okay, here it here it is. Now I'm going to read this to you and this is this is if you play this game alone um you can write down your own answers. Okay? So play along with me. If you're confused what you want to do with your life, see if this shit works for you. This is just the bones of the model for it. Okay, so here's what Dr. Dr. Phil says. Jackie. I'm someone's name Jackie. Jackie. When you think about creating a plan for your life, I want you to first answer a simple question. What do you want? Jackie says, I want to be financially successful. Dr. Phil says, and what do you have to do to become financially successful? She says, I have no clue where to start. That's okay. Start with the things you can do to move toward that goal. Well, I'd have to start by having a great job. And if you had that great job and became financially successful, how would you feel? As if I'd accomplished something, she says. So then Dr. Phil says, so what you really want is to be free. So what you really want is a sense of accomplishment. What would it take for you to feel that? And she says, well, it'd have to be difficult. I mean, nothing that you want in life is really easy. Sounds like Jackie's a little lazy. <laughs> Dr. Phil says, so you'd have to face some challenges, right? And if you had faced those challenges and had accomplished a few goals, how would you feel then? 
Well, I couldn't just stop there. I think there's got to be something beyond this. There's always more. So what you really want is to feel as if you're on the move in your life. What will you have to do to feel that? Well, I guess I'd have to stop denying that I'm stuck. How are you going to feel when there's no more denial in your life? Fulfilled and proud of myself. And how will you feel when you can honestly say, I am really proud of myself because I've got a step-by-step plan and no more denial? Jackie says, on top of the world. And what exactly does that mean? Free. So what you really want is to be free. Free of a sense of being bogged down. Free of a sense of living in denial. Yes, Jackie says. Jackie, you've said, I want to be proud. I want to be fulfilled. I want to be free. And you know, and you know yourself better than anybody else. What will you have to do so that you can feel that way? Well, I have to be disciplined, and I must be open to the challenge of change. Very good. If you start living your life in a disciplined way instead of, and it feels good to do it sort of way, and if you open yourself up to challenge instead of running from it, how would you feel? I feel like I have a place in the world, and I won't always be wishing that I were somebody else. So what you really want is to accept yourself for who you are and feel like you belong somewhere in this world. Yes. Well, what a goal that is. So basically, this dumb broad Jackie doesn't know anything. Dr. Phil was like, okay, you say you want the career. You say you want blah, blah, blah. But what are the feelings under the want? So what this woman really wanted was to accept herself for who she is and to feel like she belonged somewhere in the world. What a great goal that is. So instead of like the short-sighted goal of, I just want to be successful, which everybody, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anybody go, I want to be a loser. He's saying if you make it an underlying deep, if you go deep on it, bros, you say, I want to feel like I belong somewhere in this world. I want to be, I want to accept myself for who I am and I want to feel like I belong. Those are much better goals. What do you say in terms of, in, cer- in terms of a broader thing? Because the, the what's going to fill in, all the particulars of that will fill in as long as you have some kind of overarching mission, excuse me, mission statement. And that's the thing. Do I know what my mission statement is? No. I mean, I, I'm accepting myself. That would be pretty good, right? I don't think, does anybody really? Oh, there's parts of myself I reject constantly. I feel like I belong somewhere in this world. Okay, well, Jackie's got a good goal. Anyway, I hope that helps. There's a, there's a book, you know, Dr. Phil's got a book. He'll walk you through all this crap. I think, was it Life Code? Life Code, yes. It sounds horribly cheesy, and it is. Um, but if you're stranded, if you're lost about yourself, it's a pretty decent read. So there you go, Dr. Phil, walking you through your feelings. <laughs> it actually helps. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, okay, look. And you want some other solutions? Here's another thing I read. If you want to you want to get down to your intuition. That's the whole idea. The the intuitive part of ourselves that's supposedly not bogged down by mm, ego and by uh bullshit basically. The intuition. So you know, that's really hard to get there. Um So this woman suggested on this article that I read. Oh, and I'm sorry I did not cite it properly. Anyways, um, she said if you really want to ask yourself 
Oh, here are three questions to ask yourself to step out of the intellect and boldly listen to your intuition. Okay, are you ready, guys? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to listen to our intuition. Um, she says, number one, what does my heart really want in this moment? So when she sits down to write, she starts with a question. What do I really want to write now in this moment? What, what do I want to write right now in this moment straight from my heart? I follow that and don't worry about whether it fits into the context is in the right correlating order. Um, that's kind of an interesting idea to just kind of free writing, I'm guessing, is what that shit is, right? I got to try that. And just um, let your mind go where it's going to go and then read it later, I think, so you don't... Uh, you see what the hell you were talking about, right? What am I sensing right now? Oh, sensing is felt through the heart. So this is why I have a problem with this stuff, this intuition stuff. I don't like feelings. I don't, you know, heart feelings and stuff. I'm, I like to use my brain. And that's the whole part. I think what she's trying to say is get out of your brain. You got to get to the feeling part. Shit. I hate feelings. What am I sensing right now? Sensing is felt through the heart. The way a mother senses what her child needs. Good parents are smart but also wise. They know intuitively when their children are coming up with excuses about not wanting to go to bed. Bah, bah, bah. When we move from the heart... Intuitively, we know what is most needed in the moment. We are guided and led, and we sense opportunity. That's kind of true, man. Um, I'm starting to be able to do that more. You know, you just have a feeling about stuff, and you're like, no, I shouldn't pick up the phone right now to call that person. I shouldn't answer this email right now. Or when you get, you know, offered to do something, and you're like, that sounds fucking terrible. I'm not, I'm not doing that. It's always when you double think that, when you overthink it, and you're like, yeah, maybe, maybe this time it'll be different. It's never fucking different. It sucks just the same. <laughs> um, and what if, number three, what if it didn't have to look exactly how I envision it in my mind? When we do something, it rarely looks exactly like we envision it. That is absolute truth. So what if you can kind of, like I said, look for the overarching feeling goal, the overarching goal purpose of your life, and then the fill-in parts, the particulars kind of fill in but it'll never be exactly as you want it. Life just doesn't work that way. But the thing is, here's the irony. Even if it did fill in exactly the way you thought it should, it doesn't kind of matter because it's gonna. It's some part of it is going to be weird and wonky and clunky. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's never perfect. Nothing's perfect. Nothing fills in perfectly. There's always some kind of good and bad. And you just have to accept the bad. And, 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 and right? You take the good... You take the bad, you take them both, and there you have. That's the facts of life. Duh. <laughs> so there you have it, bros. I don't have the answer um, this week, but I'm going to keep searching. I'm going to keep swimming. Uh, I'm going to stop compulsive eating. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rein it in. And, uh, and I'll let you know what I come up with. I think, uh, I think I'm on the right path. I think I'm going to look for my intuition. Uh, I'm going to listen to my, my gut feeling about stuff more. I know Oprah loves to talk about that, her gut feelings. She she obviously has great intuition. Um, yeah, I'm going to follow that, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll report back. Hopefully in a week I'll have solved all of my problems. <laughs> That's not true. Um, but, yeah, how do you get in touch with intuition I, I feel like that's such a hard thing for me. It's that's always been kind of hard. I've had to like override my dumb thoughts. Um, how do you do it? How do you do it? That's the bro podcast at gmail.com. Let me know. 
It's kind of interesting. Know thyself, Socrates. That's hard. It's hard. All right, bros. Well, how about this? How about for now? I just I'm, I'm not going to go on autopilot. I think that's the one thing we can take away from today. You don't have to have all the answers, but at least come up with some of your own. Don't follow the I guess you'll do model because <laughs> that is a surefire recipe for disaster. And that's it, bros. I hope um, I hope this has been helpful and uh, I appreciate you listening. Um, and until next week, that's been D bros. All right, buddies. I love you. I'm going to go swim, get my fat ass in the pool. <laughs> All right, bye. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke. Or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's tea, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.